You're listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. Good evening, everyone. I'm Grace. Hello, and I'm Chelsea. We're the Good Evening Girls, and this is Two Girls, One Crossword. Yes, and uh, your favorite weekly podword crosscast. That's what you're listening there you to. Go. Yes. She pulled through. She did. I was thinking too heavily this time about how Grace said that I don't also need to say good evening. So then I was lost on where I come in in the introduction. So it's Grace's fault that I fucked up. I could kind of feel that that's what was tripping you up, but you, you pulled together in the end. <laughs> Thank so you. Thank you. We're Gucci. Um, so that should take us right into corrections corners, potentially. Yes. Since I, if we had any, I don't. <laughs> must be nice. Um, My corrections corner is that I fucked up the audio last time. But oh, she did. If you listen to last time, she didn't even record for the first section because she's like, trying to go all crazy or whatever something got messed up with my headphone it just whatever i made a little blurb in the beginning so we're we're fine we're fine she's telling herself that we're fine even though it was horrible (laughs) um i do have a corrections corner this week um apparently some listener wrote to me and told me that i was continually mispronouncing the 30th president of the united states name and to that I say, who even is the 30th president of the United States? Can you tell me who it is off the top of your head right now? No, you know I can't. I already See, told you it doesn't last even time. matter, okay? It doesn't even matter. But I do want to say that I mispronounced his name. Um, I kept going back and forth between saying Calvin Coolidge and Calvin Coleridge. The correct way to say it is Calvin Coolidge. That's the president. And I think I know why I kept messing it up. So if you are an avid listener, you probably know a couple episodes ago, um, I did a topic um, on Xanadu, which was based, which is like featured in a poem by an English poet named Samuel Taylor Coleridge. So I think that's probably why I was like messing it up. You know, I just, yeah. can't, I just can't get Xanadu off the brain. Okay. I think that's like our biggest misstep is our pronunciation well no we make a lot of mistakes but like pronunciations really get me because sometimes you read stuff all the time but you don't necessarily say it out loud so you never have a chance for someone to be like yeah no that's not how you say that right exactly um and i'm not gonna like it's very difficult to search the pronunciations of every single word that you have to talk about so of every single president <laughs> exactly I, maybe i'll i'll make that a, a goal of mine is to like learn every president Oh, quarantine goals. What's your quarantine goals? Yeah. This Party is, trick. Yeah. Everyone would love that. I would love it. <laughs> actually, Come I listen to me list off the presidents. I would actually really love that because anytime I go to a party together, which is not often, but when we do go to parties together, I will get everybody in a circle and I'll make you do it and you'll hate it. And I will love every second of it. Depends how many uh, glasses of wine I've had. I, I may like it, but <laughs> right. Or like, we'll see. Like, what if we were at, like, the Halloween party from this year? <laughs> Imagine trying to do it then. <laughs> um, yeah. So get back to me in a month, and I'll let you know. Great. Hold me to it, listeners. Hold her to That'll it. That'll be a whole episode. We do have some interesting things coming up. The fact that uh, Grace will have a new background next week when we record. I'm not going to tell you where she's going to be. But just, n- just so you know, Grace will not be sitting where she's sitting now. She'll be sitting elsewhere. Big things. I'm going to do it from my closet. Yeah. And I'm going to be doing it in the bathroom, which I'm redoing. So I'm excited to show you my shower curtain. You should do it in there after you decorate. I should. It'll be nice. A nice ambiance, you know. It'll be great. Um, okay. Let's go to hits and shits. <laughs> I don't have any shites, okay. really. I'm very positive this week, I guess. Very nice. I don't think I do 
either, but we'll see. We'll see as I go through. Anything could come up at any moment. Yes. I have a quick hit I want to give out to the USA Today crossword from May 18th by Katya Brink. And it was 33 down retailer associated with a coat wearing monkey. Do you know what that is? Curious George? No, it's Ikea. Which is a common crossword fill, but you've never seen that picture. So if you haven't seen it, you should Google it. Um, Everyone, you included. But someone let their like pet monkey loose in Ikea and it was just living in there for like three days. But and it was like this little monkey. But the weirdest thing is that he was wearing a coat. (laughs) But it was like kind of a bit. It was like a like leather shirling coat. Um, (laughs) I don't know like the backstory behind that, but all I know is that I've seen this photos of this monkey wearing a coat standing in Ikea. Okay. Um, so I like that she used that to reference. Ikea monkey. Ikea. Looking it up right as we, oh, oh, I didn't realize that was the Ikea. I didn't know that that. (laughs) It it looks like a, you probably seen it before and you thought it was Photoshop, but that is like a real issue that happened. Yes. I don't know where it was, what country it was in. Oh, it says Canada. Apparently. Yeah, I guess he's wearing a coat, so that makes sense. Has to be a cold, cold his name place. Is, his name is Darwin, for anybody who cares. And you absolutely have seen this photo before. I've seen this photo everywhere used in memes, like, all over the internet. I had no idea that he was let loose in an Ikea. And I did Ikea as a topic, like, weeks ago. So I, sh- I should be ashamed. It should have come up. should have. Um, she also did 58 across what's blank question mark. And the answer was up dog. Nice. Uh, I think she should have clued it as smells like blank in here. <laughs> But <laughs> I, I she like didn't. Um, but I still enjoyed her puzzle. So nice. thanks for that. Um, uh, I'm going to start just from Saturday, New York Times, which I did May 16th by Tracy Gray and Jeff Chen. Um, 40 across Bacchanalian beasts. And the answer is satyrs. Just want to do like a quick throwback to one of our previous topics where we talk about satyrs and and their gigantic boners. Yeah, they're strange, <laughs> like constantly erect penises. Very strange. Listen to the episode. It's fun. Um, it, I think that puzzle was a lot of fun. Um, one of two clues that I really liked, they were actually right next to each other. Um, clues and answers. 11 down collectible from what's been called the world's first internet sensation. And the answer is Beanie Baby. And I was oh. really young when Beanie Babies like were popular. Obviously, it was like in the 90s and like. I obviously know what the internet is, but I didn't realize Beanie Babies were the first ever, like, internet sensation. Did you know that? I had no idea. No. I thought they just sold them (laughs) at a Rainforest Cafe. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, And that was right next to, and I think you're going to like this one, 12 down, claw-proof crate. And the answer is cat carrier. Ooh, that is cute. It's cute. And I think there was a, maybe it was the New Yorker we did together um, on Monday, where it was like, calculation by pet owners and we immediately entered dog years but instead the answer was cat years and i just thought it was nice that cats were getting some representation in the puzzles this week Um, yes thank you we need more cat representation (laughs) says my cat yeah he's prowling around my apartment currently (laughs) yes um speaking of the monday new yorker that's one of those puzzles that grace and i did together for those who don't know the new yorker you can do like a partner solve which is a lot of fun um so we like zoom and solve together and it's almost like we're back in the kitchen together solving at lunch uh that was but i don't have to get mad at you for your handwriting yes <laughs> she hates my handwriting i refuse to apologize um but that was by anna schechtman that was monday may 8th um the opener for that puzzle was cool one across may 18th did i say may 8th mm-hmm. uh, 
May 18th. I stand corrected. Um, throwback to corrections corner. Okay, the first clue, opener, one across, term often used to police women's speech, and the answer was vocal fry. That was really cool. Um, and if you don't know what vocal fry is, it's like when you drop your voice to like a low register, it's similar to, what is it called, like up talk, you know, when it's yeah. like characterizes you- like something women do to kind of be like go up at the end of a sentence or something. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, you should read this really cool article I read. It's called Stop Telling Women How They Should Talk. It's on Mashable. If you're interested. I was just going to ask, do we have vocal fry? Probably. We probably freaking do. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in learning more about vocal fry, check out that article. It was really cool. I almost did that as my topic, but then I was like, I cannot do that because I had a better topic. So <laughs> <laughs> I have some other ones from that puzzle too yeah i liked this one or there are two that kind of threw us off that should have been obvious <laughs> one was um, 20 across thelma and louise character and i think he had a question mark but we were like thelma and louise character what other character was in that movie but the answer was ampersand like the and in between their names right like a text character like a font character not yeah. like actual story character I liked that one a lot. And then I also liked 46 across echolocation with a question mark. We were like cave, cavern, valley. Like, what could this be? But we kept saying the word out loud. And um, my Alexa, I call her ECHO because you have like an option to change her name. And she kept like interrupting us. And I'm like, I kept telling her to shut up. And then later we realized the answer was smart home. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, we were talking about that for like three minutes being like, what could this be? And meanwhile, my Alexa was talking the whole time. And that was the answer. I know. Um, That was, that was a good moment when we realized what the heck (laughs) we were talking about. Um, It's funny you should bring up the ampersand answer. I love ampersand as a word. And some people don't know that ampersand is what that that fancy looking and character is. Um, I didn't actually like that answer. I think I get frustrated when they kind of play like tricks like that, like character in this. And it's like, whatever. And ampersand was crossed with 11 down boycotts and question mark. And the answer is T's spelled T E E S because the last two letters of boycott are two T's. And so I was like, those two crossing each other just made me grumpy. Cause I'm like, I hate like, especially like the T's one. Like I can get yeah. like the ampersand one. I can like, okay. Like that was smart and cute, but crossed with boycotts and T's. I was like, gah, gah. yeah, I liked the ampersand one, but I also don't like it when they make you spell out a letter. Yeah. Um, it's just weird. I, know. I don't know why they do that. I mean, especially T's because their T's like is actually a thing as opposed right. to like H, you know, other stuff that they sometimes make you spell out. So right. I don't know. I guess it is also play on like boycotts and what you think like, okay, what would end a boycott? Right. Who knows? I don't know. Who Whatever. Knows? It was fine. It, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. I'm just being picky. Um, do you have anything else? No, not for that puzzle. Any other puzzles? I've got I do. Um, I really liked the New York Times Wednesday, May 20th. Yes. I was about to say that's. That one was so fun. It was by um, Natan Last, Andy Kravis, and the GASA. JASA. So I looked up, sorry, JASA. I looked up what it was, and I, this is what I found. I don't know if this is 
what it is though it's like an organization that supports seniors in new york yes i also looked this up because i wanted to talk about it the jasa stands for the jewish association serving the aging um and do you mind if I have like a little blurb about what they are? Do you care if I read it? Go for it. Okay. No, go. So I got this blurb from xwordinfo.com. Um, so this is a quote. Quote. Located at the John Jay Center or the John Jay College in New York City, Sundays at JASA is one of a kind college level continuing education program for adults 55 and over. Each semester offers a wide range of courses, lectures, and seminars focused on the arts and humanities. One of those courses is Get a Clue, a comprehensive course on crossword construction. The course outlines the basic principles of crossword puzzle construction. It begins with basic crossword history and then focuses on how to come up with a theme, a usable grid, and create the fill. At the end of the semester, the group comes up with one final puzzle to submit to the New York Times. Oh my gosh, I love it. Well, Natan tweeted and said that they did, they finished this over Zoom and like multiple Zoom meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love that. And I've seen yeah. a couple JASA or JSA puzzles in the New York Times, and I'd never looked up what they were until this time. So it's funny that you also looked it up. Well, only because I saw um, the tweet about it. Right. But I love that. I feel like the puzzle's really fun. I think this is what happens when you get like a, lo- a big group of people to do like one puzzle because right. you get a lot of different types of but it's it's pretty modern i agree um, entirely some of the things i found like 32 down captain america portrayer chris it took me forever to figure out which chris it was because <laughs> there's so many in that uh, in know. marvel i know but um concert tees and the like merch mm-hmm. some people believe swamp gas causes them for short ufos yes it might be painted in the bathroom nail mm-hmm I like that, too. And um, I also like 11 down modern reproductive procedure abbreviated is IVF. Um, garments typically fastened at the back is bras. Um, also, bras? Sh- OK, go ahead. Sorry, go. There you go. I was going to say shout out to two down fairy tale menace is ogre. Although, can we please stop cluing Shrek as a menace, folks? OK, OK. I don't know why they don't just clue him. I would just do Shrek clues. I know. I know. Um. And then, yeah, actress to Armis of Knives Out, Anna to Armis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, okay. The Natan, theme was so good. Listening, let, yeah, before we get to the theme, though, did you see 41 across edges? And then the answer was rims. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm just going to leave it at that. If you know, you know. Is this on purpose? Let me know. I hope that it is and that Jassa um, somehow snuck that, that into the <laughs> crossword. Yeah. yeah. Mm. um oh i should tweet about that maybe mm-hmm. i will we should talk about the theme which was a lot of fun um it was basically clue like the word would repeat twice but you'd read it as three separate words basically right like yeah, how would so, you describe it isn't it like homonyms i just feel like the easiest way uh, to describe it is yeah. to say it so 20 across the handlebar that handlebar has got to hurt so it's mustache must ache right which could look when you read it, it could be mustache mustache or right. must ache must ache right um another one was cube or sorry uh oh this one oh. uh 51 across headline about pagan rotisserie shop which is heathens heat hen i loved <laughs> that one so much that was so fun yeah or french cheese tasting that lasts only a minute is briefest briefest so. briefest brie fest yes um, um yes it was and a lot then of fun. 68 across sacred 
or sorry, screed about old glory that goes too far. Flagrant flag rant. I loved it. It was so much fun. Um, yeah, that was fun. That's that's my final hit of the. Cool, week. cool. I do want to talk about um, another theme that I really liked from the New York Times this week. Uh, Tuesday, New York Times, May nineteenth. Trent H. Evans. Um, it was basically like there'd be these quotes said by a guy named Tom and you kind of have to say how Tom is saying this quote, like an adverb. Oh, right. Um, So like 24 across quote, you're making a grave mistake, said Tom cryptically, cryptically, because he says you're making a grave mistake. So grave and cryptic cryptically, which is fun or 47 across. I've learned my lesson about feeding the tigers, said Tom offhandedly. I loved that. That was so funny. Um, And then also, 17 across is probably my favorite. This hot dog is absolute perfection, said Tom, with relish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is called something. It's called like Tom. Is it? I didn't know. Something isms. Yeah, because I saw people tweeting about it. Ah. Um, I don't know. I've never seen it before or heard it before. But yeah, that one was fun. Cool. I also liked from that puzzle, 34 across, like some minds and marriages. And the answer was open. Because, yes, yeah. there are open marriages, which I like. And well, open not- minds. And open minds. Very nice. Um, that's all I got for hits and shits. Cool. Should we flip the coin? Let's flip the coin, baby. All right. I'm going to be flipping the coin mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Heads, it's me. Cool. So, my topic comes from the New York Times, Wednesday, May 20th, a puzzle by Andy Kravis, Natan Last, and the JASA crossword class. Yay! Um, And it's 28 across. The handlebar has got to hurt. And it's mustache must ache. And so, today, my topic is mustaches and facial hair. Ooh, how'd you get old topic on this? Um, Actually, it's funny you should ask, because I didn't think I would have enough, but... I have so much, um, and I realized through doing this, I could probably pick the history of facial hair and like facial hair uh, as a part of culture for one culture and do a whole topic just on yeah. that. But I kind of wanted to do like more of an overview about facial hair in general, history, kind of like different, you know, pro- like different things where like facial hair was prohibited at some point or like forced to be worn things like that so let's let's just get into it let's see let's see how it goes shall we yes okay so first the word mustache is spelled a couple couple different ways um the way it appears in the puzzle it is spelled the americanized version that's m-u-s-t-a-c-h-e so must ache mustache Um, another way to spell it is m-o-u-s-t-a-c-h-e it is the British version, so it's like moustache. Um, and f- if you don't know, because you live under a rock or you've never been outside and you can't grow facial hair, um, a mustache is facial hair that grows like on your upper lip. Um, <laughs> I know. Mustache or moustache, the British spelling, is actually from a French word. Um, and you can trace the meaning of the word all the way back to Hellenistic Greek, um, which is moustache or mustache, meaning upper lip or facial hair. And it actually is probably connected to the Hellenistic Greek word mulan, which means lip. So that's kind of cool. Facial hair in general. So people can start developing facial hair 
at the late stages of puberty, right? Um, and it's typically around 15 years of age. And most do not finish developing like their first full adult beard until around 18 or later. Facial hair can be styled into beards, mustaches, goatees, sideburns. Some people completely shave and they go clean shave and it's really like up to the person, I guess, right? So biologically, how does facial hair work? Uh, facial hair is linked to the stimulation of hair follicles by dehydrotestosterone. Dehydrotestosterone is produced from testosterone um, and the levels of this dehydrotestosterone um, vary by season. So like some people will grow more facial hair in the winter or some people will gr grow more facial hair during the summer, which I think is kind of interesting. Uh, facial hair and the growth rate is also genetic. So, you know, some people they're like, I cannot grow a beard no matter what I do. And mm -hmm. some people just grow so much, so much hair in every place. Um, and that's because of your genetics. Um, and I actually went down a rabbit hole of facial hair genetics and why people can grow facial hair today. I'm not talking about it, but it's really interesting. And it all comes from Darwin. Um, if you're interested in it, start on the Wikipedia page and just follow the follow it all the way down the hole. Um, Darwin, the monkey from Ikea or? Yes, Darwin, the monkey from okay. Ikea. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that point, actually. So what is the deal with facial hair? Like, why do people have facial hair? Why do people keep facial hair? Um, where does it all start? Is it a cultural thing? Is it a historical thing? Is it just like fashion, preference, whatever? What's the deal? So throughout history, facial hair has fallen in and out of fashion. So hairy faces have either been like really, really popular, like people with facial hair, like revered. Um, but then sometimes they're derided, right? Um, and sometimes it's legislated against, like actively, you are not allowed to have facial hair based on the place that you live. So let's start at the very beginning. Okay, circa 30,000 BC. There are ancient cave paintings that depict men with beards. Um, and it actually suggested in these paintings that these people would shave or remove unwanted hair with clamshells or like different types of tools that kind of look like tweezers um, or Ouch. blades that are made out of flint. Exactly. Um, so people were talking about facial hair as far back as then and doing something about it, like shaving and like grooming in some way or another, which is really interesting. Well, if you have a lot of facial hair, I feel like you can't, I mean, it would be hard to just let it grow forever. Although it probably, I don't know. Does it eventually stop like your eyebrows do? It's a great question. I think it honestly depends on your genetics because some people like, I know my brother, he can barely grow a mustache and he like tries really hard for months to get it to grow to a certain level. Whereas mm -hmm. like my boyfriend or my dad, they just grow facial hair like it doesn't even matter. And they got to cut it all the time because it will not stop growing. So let's take a poll. All of our listeners out there, does your facial hair just keep growing or does it like stop at a certain point? Let us know. My eyebrows, I feel like, grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. No, they eventually stop. Same with your eyelashes. Like, your hair can only grow to a certain length, and then it falls out. Yeah, it's true. So I wonder if beard hair is like that, too. Yeah, I wonder. Um, let's see. Okay, ancient India. In ancient India, beards were allowed to grow really, really long as a symbol of dignity and wisdom. Um, and if you were an adulterer or, like, you were, like, 
particularly promiscuous, you could actually be punished for this by having your beard publicly cut off. Uh, I, I know. And uh, you hear that a lot in like a lot of cultures. Hair in general is like very important to like the soul and to like who you are as a man or a woman or part of your religion. Um, also, sorry if you can hear my dog just whining. He really wants attention and he's not getting it right now. So he's going to have to wait. Um, also in ancient India, beards were so revered that a man might actually pledge his beard as a payment for any debt that he might have, which is kind of crazy. Um, in ancient China, Confucius, the ancient philosopher, taught that the human body was a gift from one's parents and no alteration should be made to it. So that includes abstaining from any body modifications like tattoos. And people were also discouraged from cutting their hair, fingernails, or beards, you know, to kind of like keep your parent-given body in its perfect form. Confucius did have a long beard, but did he, he did have long know. fingernails? I think potentially, although... What I was reading is a lot of people at that time couldn't actually follow that rule because of their trade. So if you're, like, you're a farmer yeah. or if you're in the military, you can't have like long facial hair or you can't have long nails. So I think it's like really like what you can do for yourself. Like try and do the most. Mm -hmm. okay. By doing the least. By doing the least. Exactly. It's a different kind of self-care. I mean, like, could you imagine if self-care today was just let everything go freaking wild? That is kind of what it is now in quarantine. <laughs> it's true. Whereas, like, otherwise, you're, like, going to the spa and getting your hair cut and getting your nails done and, like, just treating yourself like Confucius would be not having it. Mm -mm. So the ancient Greeks were also proud of their beards. Their beards. Uh, they thought that if you could grow a full beard, it was a sign of st status, wisdom. Um, were they trying to emulate the gods like Zeus and Hercules? They probably were. Because if you look at... Greek statues um, and Greek art, those gods were, you know, portrayed with massive beards. And so there's probably some correlation there, right? Um, ancient Greeks also only cut their beards during a time of mourning, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Ancient Romans, on the other hand, reacted against the long beards of the Greeks. They were like, uh-uh, we are not like the Greeks. We do not want anything to do with that. Um, so they kept their beards really, really short, really neat, um, or they were just completely clean shaven. Um, in the fourth century, there was this soldier called uh, Ammianus Marcellinus, um, and he wrote, quote, Do you suppose that your beard creates brains? Take my advice and shave it off at once, for the beard is a creator of lice and not brains. So that's how they felt about beards. Alexander the Great also was clean shaven and encouraged his soldiers to shave before battle uh, because he thought that beards could be grabbed by enemies and like you'd have to like fight as they're holding just your beard. one more thing to worry about. I know, like, why would you want to have to worry about your darn beard in combat? Um, okay, so now let's move, let's move ahead in time a little bit. We're going to go to, like, 793 to, like, 1066 AD. This is a time when the Vikings were regularly invading Britain, and the Brits depicted the Vikings as completely unruly in both manner and looks. Um, they had these really unkempt hair and really unkempt beards. Um, and in reaction to that, the trend became to be beardless once again, like um, on the British Isles. However, it was a myth that the Vikings didn't keep themselves or their hair neat. Um, here's a quote for you. Several archaeological finds have revealed tweezers, combs, nail cleaners, ear cleaners, and toothpicks from the Viking Age. Um, and that was that's a quote from the curator of a, the Viking Ship Museum in Rolskeld. Uh, they were actually 
one of the first civilizations to like really, really like care about how they looked, which I thought was kind of interesting. There's even, um, there's pictures and like artistic depictions of, um, Vikings where they have like clean shaven necks, a little bit of hair in the front and like a fringe, like bangs. Um, and they would keep their beard like as a goatee, but then the beard would be really, really long. So they wouldn't have any hair on their cheeks at all. It would just be kind of like down in front off their chin. Uh, hmm. which I think is That's kind not of not how cool. I would picture Vikings, but what do I, I know, know? Right. I mean, I didn't know either. I just think about like Vikings, the TV show or the last kingdom. So let's move into medieval England. Facial hair went in and out of style across the years. It really depended on who was in power, whether it was like the French or whoever, um, whatever King was in power. Um, but some, but to some facial hair was extremely important so much so that some knights had armor made to accommodate their mustaches. Um, so Edward, Prince of Wales, when he died, he was put into a tomb in Canterbury Cathedral. And if you actually go to look at this tomb, you'll see that he's in full battle dress. He's wearing chainmail. It's encasing his face, his neck, everything. The only thing that sticks out are his eyes and his mustache, um, which is kind of cool. Um, King Henry VII went beardless, but King Henry VIII wore a beard. Hmm, it really just depended on who was in power. Um, by the 17th century in England, mustaches were hugely popular. Um, and some people say it's because of the poet Lord Byron. They wanted to kind of emulate his style. He kept his hair, like, really long. His face, he had no hair, um, except for what they called a romantically curling slender mustache. So, like, really thin and curling. Um, oh and then God. for several <laughs> decades, this was, like, the sexiest look around. Can you imagine? <laughs> I feel like that made a comeback for a little bit. Oh, oh yes. We're going to talk a little bit more about, about whether or not facial hair and mustaches are sexy. Okay. So 1854 was the onset of the Crimean war um, and a return to the favor of large beards. So all these like British soldiers would go and fight the war and they just grew out their beards really long. So by the time the war ended in 1856, these returning soldiers came home with massive crops of facial hair um, and then beards became popular because they were a symbol of heroism and patriotism. Um, and because of that, mustaches lost their popularity again. So we talked a little bit about facial hair and beards and mustaches, like up to around 1856 in England, but I'm going to take us a little bit back to 1698 in Russia. Tsar Peter the Great attempted to completely eradicate beards, like throughout the entire country, by implementing what is known as the beard tax. And there's actually a couple instances of beard taxes throughout, you know, history, but this is uh, one of the most well-documented ones. So Peter the Great, if you don't know, is known for his efforts to kind of westernize Europe or to bring it into a more contemporary world. He traveled through Western Europe and realized that beards were out of style. And so he tried to make that the case in Russia as well. The tax would charge 60 to 100 rubles in exchange for a token permitting a beard. So if you wanted to have a beard, you need to have this token. And in order to get this token, you had to pay, right? Um, but this whole beard tax did not include mustaches. So mustaches became more popular in Russia at the time, which I thought was super interesting. The fact that like he could enact this tax and it dictated fashion. You know, I liked that a lot. Yeah. Um, so now jumping forward in time again, um, I'm noting that the first 15 U.S. presidents were beardless. Lincoln was the very first president to rock a beard while in office. But from 1913 to present, all presidents have been clean shaven. Mm. interesting We're gonna so talk what was lincoln's deal so he the rumor has it that 
a little he girl. He also had a top hat. He did. He so had, I, like, a whole a lot of stuff going for him. I feel like he had, he had his look, you know. He did. He did. I think the rumor is that a little girl told him to, um, like, wear a beard. And so he did. And his beard is interesting because it was, like, the precursor to the chin strap, actually. So he had the full... Um, sideburns and then he had his beard here but he had no mustache and nothing up on his cheeks either so it was more like a chin strap oh right yeah so you know the first the first ever chin strap wear Mm. so while i was doing my research i found a really interesting study um it was called the i found it in an article in the atlantic uh called the rise and fall and rise of facial hair uh, by olga kazan um, and this is from 2014 So in 1976, there was a University of Washington um, professor uh, named Dwight E. Robinson. He was really interested in fashion trends throughout history, especially in regards to facial hair. He published a study in the American Journal of Sociology, where he examined a period of 130 years um, of facial hair uh, through the publication of Illustrated London News. He counted the frequency of appearance of five different facial hairstyles in Illustrated London News. Illustrated London News is like a it was like a weekly publication that kind of happened during this time. And so he took 130 years and he counted how many times these five facial hairs showed up sideburns alone, sideburns with a mustache, a beard alone, a mustache alone, and just fully clean shaven. Um, And he used approximately a hundred photos for each year within that 130 year range. And he found that beards and sideburns began going out of fashion in the mid to late 1800s. Mustaches hit their prime in the early 20th century, but have lost popularity since sideburns and mustache wearers peaked in 1877 and haven't really gotten back up to that point since. Um, And few people were clean shaven in the late 1800s, but by the seventies, most people were. And I was kind of like, is this a reliable study? So the Illustrated London News, which he was kind of using as for his study, um, according to Robinson, this is the guy conducting the study, was, quote, the world's most venerable pictorial news magazine. And this magazine was his only source of finding how these facial style, like these hairstyles went in and out of fashion. Um, And Honestly, it only really pictured a certain type of men, prominent members of society. Um, and in my research, I found that the 70s beards were actually hugely popular. Um, yeah. Because what was going on in the 70s? It was the hippies and the drugs. It was like post-Vietnam, you know? So like, so I should just say that his study reflected facial hairstyles of a certain class of people um, throughout mm-hmm. those 130 years. But it is pretty interesting to think about. Um because I feel like mustaches were popular in the 80s, according to my parents' wedding photos. Yes. Well, this only went, the study only went up to uh, 1976. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, here, I'm just going to say the Illustrated London News published weekly from 1842 to 1971, um, and then was less frequently published until it ceased publication in 2003. But basically what Robinson found, um, and I believe this to be true, and I think you'll agree, is fashion comes in in waves, right? Young people don't want to be like their elders, but after a long enough time, older trends seem to become new again. Like, right now, the 90s are back. Mm-hmm. You know, but could you like imagine... mustaches are, are back. Mustaches are back. Could you imagine, like, five years ago wearing anything from the 90s? No, it was not popular then, but enough time has passed, and now... Now everybody wants to wear the little sunglasses and the little mm-hmm. the little tank tops and have like the butterfly clips and the little bandanas. It's back, baby. 
uh, facial hair uh, in religion. So I'm going to break, there's like so much we can talk about with facial hair in religion, but I'm going to talk a little bit about some specific religions and how facial hair is seen in those religions. Christianity, um, like most of its iconography from the fourth century until today has always portrayed Jesus with a beard. Also Moses, Abraham, St. Peter, and John the Baptist are also always portrayed with a beard. Um, and so in Eastern Christianity, members of the priesthood wear beards and religious authorities have kind of required beards for um, male believers, which I thought was interesting. Um, so it's like the Russian Orthodox Church. Uh, Western Christianity. In Catholicism, Catholicism has like a very complicated relationship with uh, facial hair. It has gone in and out of popularity within Catholicism. And then uh, there have been times when, like, depending on who's the Pope or who's in charge, um, it has either been permitted or prohibited. So that's interesting. Um, in the Amish communities or other Anabaptist groups, men will be completely clean shaven until they marry. And then they grow a beard and never again cut it after they're married. Um, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, since the mid-20th century, they have encouraged men to be completely clean-shaven, especially those in, like, priest positions. But apparently there's no, like, theological basis for why they decided to do this. It was kind of, like, their perceived idea of the, like, waning interest of facial hair. Mm -hmm. So they kind of saw people stop wearing facial hair, and so then they kind of, like, urged their members to stop wearing facial hair. Um, and it's also because facial hair to them is associated with hippie and drug culture. So they don't want any of their members to be associated with that. But it is not a permanent rule in the church and it's not really enforced. However, and I found this super interesting, there are formal, formal rules against facial hair that are enforced on the men who do their two-year missionary service. So you cannot wear facial hair if you're doing that two-year missionary service where you kind of like go out and like try and recruit people, right? Also, <laughs> yeah, if you're studying at BYU, Brigham Young University, you are required to follow the church educational system honor code, of which it says, quote, men are expected to be clean shaven. Beards are not acceptable, although they do allow a very neat mustache if you would like. Oh, my. Why the mustache? I, who knows? That's like the loophole into all these beard rules is just have a mustache. I, I just... I thought it was really interesting. I mean, there's a lot of that stuff at BYU, though, that is kind of like in that honor code that you can't do. Have you seen the videos where people, they ask BYU students to like rap a song and then they can't say certain words because they're like, they can't say damn or shit or something because it's part of the honor I code? I haven't seen those videos, but I knew people that went to um, Moody, which is a Bible college in Chicago. Yeah. They like, you can't dance. You can't hug someone of the opposite sex. You can only hug them from the side. You can't curse, obviously. I was like, you can't dance. This is Footloose. I, I just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they watched Footloose once and it changed the rules. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Islam. So Sunni Islam, uh, you, the beard is allowed um, and you're allowed to grow it and trim it. Um, and it's actually rule. It's like a mandatory rule. Um, and it's considered part of the feature to grow your beard. Feature is like, the way man was created. So it's like built into their their religion that this is how man was created. So you grow it and you trim it and you keep it nice. Um, Shia Islam, um, according to the 12 Shia scholars, the length of the beard should never exceed the wist of your fist. Um, trimming your facial hair is allowed, but shaving it is religiously forbidden. What were you saying? Oh, okay. A width 
of your fist. Is that what you said? Yeah. So, like, okay. if you're watching, you can see, like, that's how long my beard could be, right to there. If you're considering this the width of your fist, which I do, or yeah, there. Yeah, now this. Yeah, so down to there, which that's, like, about two and a half, three inches, maybe. Nice. Off that's my nice chin. I, I think that's a pretty good beard. Um, in Judaism, the Hebrew Bible states in Leviticus 19.27 that, quote, you shall not round the corners of your head's neither shalt thou mar the corners of thy beard. Um, and so tradition explains um, this to mean that a man may not shave his beard with a razor with a single blade, since the cutting action of the blade against the skin like mars the beard or like harms the beard. However, scissors have two blades, um, and some opinions permit like people to use scissors to trim the beards because the cutting action of scissors is different than the cutting action of like shaving directly onto the skin mm-hmm. um and because of that if you int- if you believe that interpretation then the orthodox r- belief is that you can use electric razors to remain clean shaven because those shavers cut by trapping hair between blades like scissors so it's more like a scissor like motion instead of like a blade like motion so orthodox mm-hmm. jews can use electric razors to clean shave hmm. very interesting um in sikhism the 12th Sikh guru commanded Sikhs to maintain unshorn hair. So that's why they have very long hair and they wear it up in a turban. Um, Sikhs consider the beard to be part of nobility and dignity of their manhood and as a respect for their God-given form. So they'll have like long beards and they keep their beautiful long hair up in these turbans. Um, I love watching TikToks when um, I've seen Sikh men like show how to like wrap their turban. I'm like, there is a level of skill to handling fabric here that I will never, ever oh, for sure. achieve. But it's amazing. If you did it every day, you'd probably get pretty good at it. Right. Well, I would never do it every day, unfortunately. Um, last couple things. We're going to talk about illegality and mandation of facial hair. So there have been rules and laws enacted throughout history on various facial hair stylings, much like Peter the Great trying to outlaw facial hair, right? Um, so there are a couple countries that currently have facial hair laws. Um, Most are related to active militaries, like India, for instance, where facial hair is prohibited in the military unless part of your religious religious expression, or if you're sent on to like a really long mission and you don't have the ability to shave your your facial hair. But if you do have the ability to shave your facial hair, it has nothing to do with your religion, then you better be shaving it. Um, In Iran, Western hairstyles are banned completely. So like certain types of the way you would grow facial hair. Um, and that's due to their idea of combating cultural imperialism. Um, in both Tajikistan and Uzbekistan, beards are considered to be a sign of extremist political and religious views. And in Tajikistan specifically, only shaved men can apply for a passport, which is interesting. Mm. Um, most civilian prohibitions come from militaries or sports. So, like, the British Army actually required mustaches as part of their uniform from 1860 to 1916. Could you imagine, like, not being able to grow a mustache, but, like, you're required to by yeah, your job? Yeah, you just get, like, a little stick on one. I know, right? And hope for the best. Yep. Um, and in the 30s, the U.S. military actually prohibited beards because they prevented the tight seal for gas masks. So, like, you needed to shave so that you could actually wear your gas mask. Um, in sports... Um, There's so many sports regulations about facial hair and body hair, but I just want to talk a little bit about a couple. Um, So the Cincinnati Reds, which is a baseball team, they actually had a policy where all players had to be completely clean shaven. No beards, sideburns, mustaches, nothing. Um, 
This was abolished in 1999, and the Yankees had a very similar policy up until 2006, which is crazy. Because on the flip side, you have the NHL or the National Hockey League and the playoff beard, which is like, if your team is in the playoffs, you do not shave your facial hair until your team loses. So it's like seen as like a sign of luck. Just like when I played, Mm -hmm. you know, soccer, we would do soccer tournaments and you wouldn't clean your jersey until you lost because it's like seen as like good luck. So I just think that's interesting. Also, professional airline pilots are required to be shaven to facilitate like a, a tight seal on like oxygen masks. And but a lot of airlines have kind of lifted this due to modern technology. But similar rules apply to many firefighters and those working in oil and gas industries. Hmm. Interesting. So what does a mustache symbolize? Mustaches have kind of gone in and out of popularity, right? Um, But even today, people consider mustaches to be a symbol of evil or something subversive or just plain creepy. In literature, movies, TVs, etc., mustaches and beards have been utilized to depict villains and even Satan. Because this popular image of Satan comes from the Greek god Pan, which is like wild and sexual and has goat-like features, right? Um, And so the mustache as part of the goatee has been present in many versions of the devil. And like I said earlier, no U.S. president has worn a mustache since Taft. Um, And the last major presidential candidate to sport one was this guy named Thomas E. Dewey. He ran twice for president. um, And apparently there are articles from that time to suggest that the reason he lost was because he had a mustache. Could be. He, sh- he was too stubborn to shave it. He was it, too but. stubborn. And uh, politicians have kept it clean ever since. Am I right, ladies? Um, <laughs> Barely. So what's the deal? I found a funny article. When did women stop finding mustaches sexy by Whitney uh, Friedlander and Marie Claire. Um, and it kind of talks about how mustaches used to be super sexy in the 70s because they represented like this rugged, like, like grittiness um it was part of like the sexual revolution, right? Um, basically, people rebelled against shaving just as much as they rebelled against um, Vietnam. But mustaches today don't really send the message of sex, do they? Do you think mustaches have that like same sexual grittiness as they did in the seventies? What do you Me think, personally? Yeah, I like mustaches actually. I do I too. Feel like, but you have to have like a. It has to go with your style. Like I feel. Like, if you put effort into your style, a mustache, it's kind of, like, it's just different. Mm-hmm. Um, not, like, I understand there is, like, a creepy version of a mustache. Mm-hmm. Like, the little thin one. But if you have a nice mustache and a nice haircut and you wear, like, cool clothes, I'm into right, that. Right, and I, I feel like, like I would even be into, like, a really skinny mustache, too, depending on how it went with the style. Do you know what I mean? Like, who knows? I um, I was kind of doing most of this research that I found about, like, mustaches are creepy are from like five or six years ago because because i think they are making more of a resurgence now um for sure amongst the hipsters amongst the hipsters in particular there was actually um, a 2013 survey (laughs) that found only 25 percent of women have positive opinions of mustaches Um, and then a similar survey came out in 2016 um i'm just going to read you this that contains findings like quote most women have no idea what a mustache-wearing ma- man wants. Women think men with mustaches look like they're trying too hard. Most women think that the era of mustaches is over, and some women will go as far as to dump a guy because of his facial hair. 
this is in Marie Claire, so grain of salt, but it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I was reading another article on like psychology today or something like that about the uh, perception of creepiness with men and mustaches. Because I mean, if you Google like creepy man and like the Google image search, like most of these men have mustaches. Like why do these mm-hmm. men have mustaches? What is the association with creepiness and mustaches and i do think it's related to this kind of like re- undertone of religious like you know you know subversiveness you know relating it to mm-hmm. satan and things like that but i feel like the era of fashion is is here it is so much more accessible to people so people can really you know become really independent and unique with their styles and i think facial hair is part of that i've actually yeah. always liked facial hair and I especially like mustaches I- I like facial hair, but I like, like, well-kept facial hair. Yes. Sometimes, when people have, I've talked about this handlebar (laughs) mustaches before, it's just, like, then they're always, like, the few people I've known who have tried to do handlebar mustaches, they're constantly twirling their mustache, and it has, like, the wax in it, and their fingers are by their mouth, so it's just, like, and then their beard is crazy. I don't know. I mean, do whatever you want to do, obviously. Don't give a crap about what I have to say about it, but I feel like, like anything, you have to take care of it. And then it looks good. But I feel like almost anything that is considered weird can be cool if Agreed. you own it. Like Crocs are coming back. Oh, yeah. People are wearing Crocs. But you have to, it's not like wearing Crocs to go out in the garden and water your plants. It's like making it go with your outfit right. and being like, yeah, I am wearing Crocs on purpose. Right. Like, yeah, I have this mustache on purpose. Right. And then it's like, oh, okay. I like that. This different. Yeah. And also, like, Anyways. mullets are back, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, when I first saw somebody with a mullet walking on the street, I was like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But, like, now I see a mullet and I'm like, I'm kind of into this. Whereas like five years ago, I would have been like, X, 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 not interested. Um, but yeah, do you, the message is do you, do not like history tell you how to wear your beard. Okay. History or the Pope, unless you want to follow the Pope's orders. Right. But that's up to you. It's all up to you. It's up to you. Cool. Cool. Well, all right, Grace, you know what that means? your turn um okay so i mine is also from the new york times may 20th puzzle by Natan last andy kravis and the jasa and it was 53 down animal crossing nice and i don't know if they did this on purpose but um animal crossing is like huge right now it's a video game yeah yeah (laughs) um it's on nintendo switch if you haven't heard of it i feel like it, it came out right when quarantine started and it's a very like relaxing game i don't know i've never played it but everyone's talking about it i really Everyone, want like, it. celebrities are talking about it yeah um anyway so i i hope this was a reference to that but the answer was hybrid nice so i'm going to talk about animal hybrids yes very good i'm interested um okay buckle in so an animal hybrid obviously is when two different species come together and make a little baby and mm-hmm. i will talk about mules we've been talking about them <laughs> oh good thank god for a while so i have your answer for you um but first most of my information that i got was from a website called sciencenewsforstudents.org so nice. maybe it's for children but we can all learn something yes um the mixed up world of hybrid animals by roberta quack okay so when i think of hybrid animals i think of like ligers and animals that are kind of forced to be mixed but hybrid animals actually do occur in the wild naturally Hmm. Okay. So it can happen. Um, when does it happen? Mostly when two species uh, territories overlap. 
uh, climate change can cause animals, like, for example, climate change can cause uh, species whose habitats are, like, in the south to move up north, and then they kind of, their territory, like, overlaps with a different species. Okay. Um, this happened with flying squirrels. So there's northern flying squirrels and southern flying squirrels. And uh, when the cl- when climate got warmer in the south, the southern flying squ- squirrels, sorry, squirrels is hard to say, <laughs> uh, moved up north, and now... Uh, they like are producing a hybrid of the two squirrels. Okay, which sounds adorable. Yes, um, it can also happen if an animal like can't find any one of their own species to mate with. Sad. Um, it's very sad. Uh, for example, in southern Africa, poachers have thinned out the population of giant able antelopes and roan antelope, causing them to mate with each other. Oh, wow! So a lot of these are like same. I mean, they're both antelopes, but they're like different species of antelopes. So okay. that happens more in nature. It's like the right. same animal, but a different species of it. Sure. Uh, it can also happen if two different species are kept together. So like in a zoo, a lion and tiger um, sometimes are kept in enclosures together. Um, or if people release pets into the wild. Like if you have a pet that's not native to where you are and you release them in the wild. And the animals will do it on their own. Like you don't necessarily have to force it to happen. Animals are horny. Okay. I know. Let's just talk it's just about that. It's just wild to me that they... I don't know. Do they know that, like, that's not another lion? They must know in some regard, but, like, not the way they we know. like it on purpose. It's, oh like, my God. kinky to them or something. Kinky, yeah. I was like, oh my God, weirdos. Taboo. <laughs> um, okay. So, most of the time, hybrid animals are sterile. Right. I was wondering about that. Like mules. Okay. Mules are a horse and donkey hybrid, and uh, they cannot make other mules. They have to, the only way a mule can be made is for a horse and donkey to have a baby. That is so sad. And the horse is the dad, usually. Okay. Usually? Um, Can it be the other way around? Oh, no. Hold on. Maybe donkeys are dad. It can be the other way around, but it's called a hinny instead. I'm going to talk about how the hybrid animals get their names because it has to do with who's the dad and who's the mom. Okay. Okay. So are hybrids in nature good? Like, is it good for these animals to be mixing and matching like that? Right. I don't know. Some scientists think it can, it actually decreases biodiversity because uh, two, what previously were two different species are now forming into just one, like, there sure. used to be northern and southern squirrels. Now there's just one type of squirrel that hasn't happened yet with the squirrels. But right. um, some say it decreases biodiversity. Others think it actually boosts biodiversity because um, in some cases, like in the Amazon, there's a bird in the Amazon that is a hybrid of two other birds, but they're not sterile. They are able to reproduce and they've like created mm. their own species then of birds. So it actually okay. has increased the amount of different species Interesting. in the if Amazon. You, if you're watching and you look behind, you might see... Uh, a hybrid in the wild here. This is a hybrid <laughs> beagle basset hound through the fern, if you're watching. There he is. There he is. <laughs> um, okay, so obviously being a hybrid changes an animal's appearance. Right. But does it change the animal's behavior? I wonder. Uh, Kyra Delmore is a biologist at Max Planck Institute for Evolutionary Biology in Germany, and she set off to figure this out. Okay. Okay, so she did a whole study, but to put it simply, there are two different species of thrush birds. One live on the West Coast in the States, and the other ones live more inland. Their territory has a slight overlap, so there are some hybrids of these, like, West Coast birds and inland birds. Okay. Um, Jesus, Neptune. What are you doing? Sorry, he literally just leapt over the side of the couch, scared the crap out of me. 
Uh, so West Coast birds go down the west side, uh, a west side flight path to Central America, and then the inland birds go down a more eastern flight path down to South America. So Delmore strapped little backpacks onto these hybrid birds to see oh. like which path they would take and where they would end up when they had to migrate. So migration patterns are written in these birds' DNAs. So okay. since they're a hybrid, like what what are their instincts going to tell them to do? Right. Some of them went right down the middle. And they settled in a totally new place, like in the middle of um, interesting where these other birds settled. Some went down the west side, but then came back up the east side. Mm. Okay. So their DNA is kind of like messed up. They're all mixed sure. up. The problem with this is that the way down the middle, the terrain is rougher and there's not as much food available, which is why the other species of birds take different routes. Sure. Um, the ones who went down one way and then came back up another way may have gotten lost because birds, when they fly down, they like take, um, note of landmarks and stuff. So when they fly back up, they can like get back safely. Sure. So if you take a different route, it can kind of mess you up. Um, so because of that, uh, a lot of the hybrid birds don't survive the migration. Oh, oh my God. That's actually sad. Well, this could explain why even though the thrush birds have, like, a big territory where they overlap, there's not that many hybrids of them because they don't survive because their DNA is all loosey-goosey and they don't know what they're doing. Um, Also, sometimes hybrid animals make easier prey. For example, the bream and roachfish in Denmark have mated and created a hybrid species of fish. Okay. When scientists put trackers on these fish, they noticed that the hybrid fish were eaten a lot more than the bream and roach fish. They it taste be better? Because, well, <laughs> no. It could be because, well, maybe. The scientists didn't study that, though. <laughs> but the, the breams and roaches have shapes and physical attributes that make them harder to see and catch for predators. Okay. But the hybrid version kind of cancels out, like, the camouflage abilities. So they're easier for right. um, to spot and, like, catch them. Get. Yeah. Okay. Um, not all hybrids go both ways. So some females are pickier maters than others. For example, the wood rat in Western U.S. So there's desert wood rats and Bryant wood rats. The Bryant ones are a lot bigger than the desert ones, okay. although they're still similar. Marjorie Mattock, a bio- biologist at the University of Nevada, uh, noticed that they were breeding with each other, so she wanted to conduct an experiment. In the lab, they found that the smaller desert wood rat females would only mate with uh, other small desert females or males <laughs> females too um maybe they were scared of the bigger bryants however the bryant females would mate with both the small desert and the bryant males okay so they concluded mm. that most of the hybrids in the wild probably came from bryant mothers the big moms okay um and a smaller desert dad interesting uh this is important because Mammals inherit bacteria from their mothers, and the bacteria stays in the animal's gut, and it's called, like, the microbiome. So, bryants eat some toxic plants, and their bacteria helps them digest it. So, if a hybrid had a small desert mom, they wouldn't get that special, like, bacteria to help digest these plants, but they would still want to eat those plants because they're part bryant, and they would die. So, that's why most of those hybrids, if they did exist, if a small mom decided to mate with a bigger dad, um, they probably wouldn't survive anyway. Interesting. So it worked out for the other Is this how evolution works, folks? Can we get Darwin the monkey on the phone? Darwin, are you there? Um, (laughs) He's like, no, I'm in Ikea. I'm still stuck in Ikea. (laughs) Um, So now I'm going to talk about some hybrids that you may have already heard of. And uh, I didn't know this, but the naming of hybrid animals depends on the sex of the parents. So the father is the first half of the name. 
and the mother is the second half. Okay. So a Zors is a zebra dad and a horse mom. So for some the reason, way- I hate the idea of a Zors. <laughs> I know. The other it way around- It freaks me out. Is a Hebra. Like if the horse was a dad, the other way is a Hebra. Okay. Um, zebroids are zebra hybrids. So in general, there are a bunch of zebroids. They're mixed with horses, donkeys, and sometimes ponies. Uh, zebroids physically resemble their non-zebra parent, but are striped like a zebra. So the stripes often don't cover the whole body, and they often carry the gene for dwarfism. Uh, have you ever seen a, ze- a zebroid? I probably have seen it at one point in my like many, many years on the internet. <laughs> I feel like I've seen them at the zoo. It kind of it looks like a horse, but has stripes. Right, yeah. Um, so why did they even start making zebroids? Like, sounds yeah. kind of wild, right? Because zebras are not domesticated. They're, they're right. wild animals. Um. So, zebroids are preferred over zebras for practical uses, such as riding, because the zebra has a different body shape that makes them harder to ride. Okay. <laughs> want one. And you can't, Good like, to saddle, saddles and stuff don't fit uh, zebras, but they do fit, like, zebroids, because they're crossed with horses and donkeys. This is very important for my, uh, the safari I have planned, where I plan to go yeah. ride a zebra. I'll bring my um, zebra saddle, not my horse saddle. Zebras uh, pass... Or, or also, or zebroids also aren't very good because um, since they have like their wild animal traits from being a zebra, they're more inclined to be temperamental than a purebred horse, and they can be difficult to handle. Okay. And while zebras aren't very large, they're extremely strong and aggressive, which I can attest to because I went to a drive-through safari once with zebras, and they were kind of scary. Like even though they're pretty small, they're not as big as a horse. They look like they're mad. And they're super strong. They're yeah. Like all muscle. I would say that they don't they don't look exactly I mean like horses, first of all, like the first time I saw a horse in person and like walked up to it and like tried to feed it, I was like, this thing is fucking huge, first of all. But they don't seem particularly grumpy, you know, unless no. you're like hanging out with a grumpy horse. But I feel like horses you look have- at a zebra in the eye, that thing is like, I'm coming for you. I don't know who the fuck you are, but I'm coming. Like that's what yeah. a zebra says. That is kind of how it was at the uh at the safari. Horses have like kind eyes. I feel like yeah. zebras like they're not like that right um so yeah sources also can have a strong temperament and be aggressive so these days most uh they usually make zebroids for riding purposes and also for circuses and small zoos oh. like small roadside zoos as featured on tiger king oh i don't like that um, at all there's only one type that actually seems useful so sources, which is a zebra dad, are bred in Africa and they're used for trekking on Mount Kenya because the zebra parent gives a resistance to the Nagana pest disease. Hmm. Okay. So that seems fine. That's that then. Good to know for when I hike the mountains. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Have you ever heard of a wolfin? A what? Wolfin. W-H-O-L-F-I-N. Is that a whale and a dolphin? Yes, kind of. Okay. Um, so this is thought to be a cross between a whale and a dolphin. It first, uh, um, the first one was Keika Malu, which was a wolfin born in captivity with a bottle nose dolphin in a false killer whale. False uh, killer whale? Yeah. So she's in a, um, she lives in captivity in Hawaii. I think she's still alive. But uh, she she kind of looks she looks like a dolphin whale hybrid. However, false killer whales, even though they look like whales, are actually dolphins. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. So okay. it's really just two different types of dolphins. Okay. Um, but you know, it doesn't have the same ring as wolfin. <laughs> it doesn't. 
Um, hybrid dolphins are rare, but they have been found in nature. Oh. Uh, true wolfins don't seem to exist, like a true okay. whale and a dolphin. And I think it's because dolphins and whales are, like, super smart. So I feel like they know yeah. that, like, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> they have, like, shame in their... S- also, they speak languages, like, within their own pods. So yeah. So I feel like they wouldn't no. be able to form a relationship. Also, like, I um, mean, dolphins are not... I mean, there are some smaller varieties of whales, but whales are freaking massive. Yeah. Most whales are massive. Like, they're whales. So, I mean, I just can't, I can't even picture that happening, like, like, physically. (laughs) I'm sure someone has drawn it out. This just makes me think of Hagrid. Hagrid is half giant. And his dad, he tells that story about how... My mom used to pick my dad up and put him on the shelf. And I'm like, how tall was your dad? And how tall was your mom? Because, like, physically, I cannot picture this happening. Well, it's that way sometimes with dogs, too. When it's, like, a chihuahua and, like... Or a Pomeranian and a husky mix. A palm tree. It's just, like... like, How how does that happen? I guess... Right. Does this need to happen? Does this need to happen? I feel like some of that stuff is, like, artificial insemination. Oh, yeah. But I don't think, you know, Hagrid was artificially inseminated like his mother. No. But anyway. Well, he's also not real. Um, okay. <laughs> so, have you heard of a beefalo? Is that a cow and a buffalo? Yes. Okay. Um, beefalo, that's, between... that's a really sad name. Beefalo? Like, I they're know. just calling it beef and a buffalo? Anyway. Well, it's mostly made for farming. So, <gasps> it's a cross between a bison and a domestic cattle. Okay. Uh, it's created for better farming. A United States Department of Agriculture study found beefalo meat, like bison meat, to be lower in fat and cholesterol than standard beef. Okay. The American Beefalo Association states oh that God. beefalo can tolerate cold better, like bison, but they still have the cattle's docile nature and fast gro- growth rate. They damage rangeland less than cattle, and beefalo meat contains 4-6% to 6% more protein and is more tender, flavorful, and nutritious than a standard cattle. They it has significantly less calories, fat, cholesterol than beef, cattle, chicken, and cod. Again, this was the American Beefalo Association saying it about their own stuff. So yeah, I was like, they sang it with a grain of salt. <laughs> However, today, most bison herds are genetically polluted or partly crossfed with cattle. There are only four genetically unmixed bison herds in the United States. Wow. Uh, the, really? The species, bison are not endangered, but they are classified as near-threatened. Oh, that's very sad to me. Don't don't eat b- beefalo. Oh my god. Um, I mean, okay. eat whatever you want, but they're near threatened, folks. <laughs> now we're going to talk about ligers. Ligers. I first learned about ligers watching Napoleon Dynamite. Yes, I think he says that's like his favorite animal. Yeah. Uh, if if you watch Tiger King, which Chelsea hasn't, but I feel like a lot of our listeners probably have, briefly Doc Antle talks about a liger, but then he says, "I don't even want to." He's like, yeah, I have a liger, but I don't even want to, like, say that on camera. Um, Interesting. So kind of controversial. Controversial. Okay. So a liger is a lion dad and a tiger mom. They enjoy swimming like tigers, but are sociable like lions. They are also huge. They are believed to be the largest known cat in the world. I mean, um, tigers are massive. Well, like, they're one of the only hybrid animals that becomes bigger than both its parents. That's crazy. So, Yeah. Except they have major health issues. Yeah. And zoos are supposed to keep tigers and lions apart, but that is not always the case thanks to these little roadside zoos. Um, there's also, there's a bunch of big cat hybrids and mm-hmm. none of them are very healthy. There's 
leopons, which are leopards and lions, and jaglions, which are jaguars and lions. Um, another hybrid that's created in captivity that looks very cool, but they have health problems. I have to say, they do look really cool. Like the jaguar-lion right. mix. Yeah. It, it's like a, a jaguar with spots and stuff, but then it has... Um, or sorry, that's a leopard and lion. It has like the spots of a leopard, but then it has a mane. Yeah, but, I've seen them. They're all really, really beautiful. But yeah, it's like that... Like, are you bastardizing this poor animal? Like, yes, they, they have, like, heart issues. They don't live very long. Um, they're sterile. So sad. They can never have their own kids. Okay. Uh, Groller bears. So polar bears and grizzlies? Yes. This is natural, too. This is not... Or it happens both, but this does happen naturally. So it's They are grizzly- both massive animals. Well, grizzly bears are way bigger than polar bears. Are they? Oh my god, I yes. wouldn't even have known. So this is a mix between a grizzly dad and a polar bear mom. It doesn't really happen the other way around that often. Uh, so this happens in the wild and in captivity. It happens in the wild where they cross territory, like up in Alaska. Um, oh, have you been to Alaska before? Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> and I didn't see any grizzlies or polar bears. Uh, there is some mystery about how it happens, though. Okay. Like, how because grizzly bears are you know can be very violent so it's kind of like right. how does this male grizzly decide he's gonna you know hang out with this, this woman, polar bear yeah. yeah um so hybrids seem to be a true mix of the two bears like their physical traits are really split down the middle though they behave more like polar bears okay. so there were two groller bear cubs born in captivity and they were observed to lie down similarly to polar bears on their stomachs with their back legs splayed out Oh, wow. It's a very polar oh my God. bear way to lay down. Oh, my God. And, that is so yeah. cute. Still would not want to run into one in the wild. No, no, no. Absolutely not. I would definitely never want that to happen. <laughs> um, okay. What about savannah cats? That one doesn't have a good name, but... So, I mean, what's on a savannah? Like a a lion? Uh, no. This is one of those, like, domestic... It's a mix between a domestic cat and a wild African cat. Usually a serval, I think. Okay. So basically, okay. they're like huge house cats with spots. People have them as pets. Damn. Like um, an ocelot type of thing? Yeah, but they're not as... I, I think these days, only they're maybe like an eighth wild or something. Okay. Um, I'm sure they have major health issues. God. I don't know for sure, but I would bet money you can, that they yeah, do. Yeah. But they are really cool. They're like huge. They're the size of a medium-sized dog, and they have spots on them like a leopard, and they're really pretty, but they're kind, they're not... They are, like, domesticated. You could have it as a pet, but it's not the same as having, like, a regular cat. Right. They, like having they your Arnold like, or something. Yeah. No, they need to, like, go on walks. They have a lot of energy. It's basically like having a dog. But um, it's a like cat. Like, all, the, all yeah. the worst parts of having a dog. <laughs> but make it a cat who can, yeah. like, jump up onto the top of your refrigerator. Oh, no. No, yeah. no, no. No, no. Um, okay. Cam, or commas. C-A-M-A. A camel and a llama? Yes. What? Okay. Why would they do this? You're wondering. Yes. (laughs) Camels are extremely popular in the Middle East for multiple reasons. Uh, Camel racing, beauty pageanting is a thing. Camel beauty Mm -hmm. pageants. As well as camel milk are all growing industries in the Middle East. Okay. Um, Camas are a mix of a llama or a comma of a llama and a camel. Actually, no, it probably is camel because it's camel llama. Anyways, um, they're basically giant llamas with no humps. Aren't so, llamas already giant? 
I don't. I can't. Llamas aren't that big. I feel like every animal I think about is giant. (laughs) No, llamas aren't that big. Camels are really big. Yeah, Um, I do know that. No, because you could when you go up to a llama, you're like face to face with their head, and they have a long neck. Like you could see clear over their back. A camel, you're like looking at their belly when you walk up to them. It's true. It's true. Um. Oh yeah. By the way, sorry if you hear yelling in the background. I'm almost done. Uh, okay, so they, they are giant llamas. They don't have humps. They do have a thicker bone structure like camels do. Their ears are more rounded than a regular llama's, and they have round feet instead of, like, cloven feet. Okay. People like them because they are more manageable than camels, uh, but they can do the same type of work. And they also produce llama wool and more of it because they're so big. Oh, so if you're trying okay. to sell wool, you can get, like, there a gigantic go. llama. Get your camera here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, last but not least, geep. Geese and sheep? No, goat and sheep. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Goat and sheep. So this is a well-known hybrid, supposedly, um, if you run in those types of circles. But it's actually (laughs) not a true hybrid at all. So, um, though possible, it is extremely rare for a goat and a sheep to be able to mate and have a baby. Instead, it's the physical mingling of, uh of very young embryos so it's really a geep has four parents it has two a mom and dad sheep and a mom and dad goat and then they like f with oh the so it's all in the it's all like all in a lab and those are called chimeras right or chimeras chimera so right yeah chimera? So that's not your hybrid because okay. they have four parents interesting and that's it that's hybrids baby wow i'm gonna go out and buy one I know I'm not supposed to leave or go in, yeah. you know, in large groups, but I'm going to go find the geep people, the camera people. I'm going to grab one, bring it back, and you'll see it next week. It just seems kind of unnatural. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I do have a problem with a lot of, like, like the forced breedings. I feel like it, it makes me worried about, you know, these poor animals and, like, whether or not these babies, especially the ones that are sterile, like... Is it an abomination? I mean, an, an abomination is too hard of a word, but like, yeah. don't people feel bad that, to create something that can't like mate and like there isn't another one of it to like know, like a liger or something? They well, probably ligers all... can be, still be friends with like tigers and lions, but, I know, they but they'll never, really never fit in. They never fully. really fit in. They'll never look at another big cat and see themselves. Yeah. I feel like the health issues is like the biggest ethical dilemma, yeah. but you know if it happens in the wild like fine but i mean i just i guess when it comes to people creating these especially for these zoos and stuff yeah but i don't know in general people are just terrible to animals in a multitude of different ways me included and i'm sure plenty decisions i make my day-to-day life affect animals but people are terrible to other humans so (laughs) what do we start with here um (laughs) yeah hybrids i don't know something just it doesn't sit right with me agreed uh, I feel a little strange about yeah. it all. Well, I I didn't talk about it, but you know how, like, the guy who made Golden Doodles yes. said that he, like, regrets it? Yes. Because <laughs> they're crazy. At yeah. first, it's like these hybrid dog breeds are good because they are at least breeding out. Because um, a lot of time, purebred dog breeds have, like, major health issues because they're very inbred. They don't, like, breed out. Mm-hmm. They're not able to breed out, uh, like, health issues mm-hmm. and stuff. So if you mix them up, then it's good until it becomes like a golden doodle, which are now huge. Yeah. And they've got like personality problems, basically. I, you'd think they would be so smart because it's a poodle and a golden retriever. But 
I've known like four golden doodles and they all have been very sweet dogs. Yeah, they're, like, they're very, nice. Very, nice, but like kind of dopey. I don't know. Do you have a, listeners, if you have a golden doodle or you know a golden doodle who's very smart, I'm sure some exist out there, of course. Right. You can't, like, your personality isn't completely dependent on your breed. There are outliers. Um, right. But, but I mean, you think about, like, like you said, like a chihuahua and a husky, like, I'm like, physically that must not be good for the chihuahua first of all and like Iranian and husky right or yeah, even punchy. even yeah and i mean That's i think about one, though and, yeah. and they are very cute they look like tiny huskies but right i've seen like husky corgis and they're freaking cute like they're so adorable but i'm like do we need this do we need this all those short leg dogs have major issues like frenchies dogs. yeah oh, frenchies are are one of the unhealthiest uh, yeah. yeah i think it's because they shot up in popularity so much oh my god like, yeah with on instagram and stuff in the past couple of years oh but yeah i remember short, when the, the frenchy legged when the yeah it, well i don't know what that boom was because then you could buy like frenchy merch at like marshall's i know like, pillows like, with frenchies on them yeah frenchies went i think that's like basically one of the first dogs t- breeds to go like really really like viral viral on instagram was the frenchie breed the first dog that i ever followed on instagram was beta the frenchie i mm-hmm. love beta to this day but they don't post on beta's instagram anymore i mean it's fine beta's still alive and like does yeah. things but like that was like the first frenchie dog or Fr- first dog i ever followed on instagram about when i started college you know but like mm-hmm. After that, Frenchies were everywhere. Everybody remembers when Chloe the mini Frenchie died. It was devastating. Yeah. And um, all these if mini f- dogs aren't yeah. really mini at all. That's a whole... Did you know, like, most people see dachshunds? Like, you think of dachshunds like the one that my parents have, Peanut. She's small. She's, like, 11 yeah. pounds. That's a mini... There's That's actually not the standard breed, breed size for a dachshund. She's a mini. There are standard dachshunds, which are huge. My friend had them growing up. I had never seen them before, but, and I've never seen them since. I think they're more popular in Europe, but they sure. are the size, they're kind of like the size of Neptune. Like they're, Interesting. they're like beagle size, but with short legs. Interesting. Um, but they look just like Peanut if you just blew her up. People are obsessed with the minis. I know. Gotta have it mini. Very yeah. strange. Anyway, if you have a mini dog out there, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love all dogs, but. I do too. I do too. I just worry about their health. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, that's, that's, that's that on that. That is that for sure. Um, what a what a wild ride. We got hairy, hairy creatures for you this week. Hope you all enjoyed. I got <laughs> to think of a title that brings it all together. <laughs> this is like my stress on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, she's like stressing about the writing the the copy for the 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 title and the buy like whatever it well, is the I description feel like i'm like i can never find a way to bring this together and then it always like comes together somehow i'm like oh i guess that works i think she you do an incredible job we should do like a poll Thank like you. what's your favorite um title that grace has ever written on Inst- we should do that that would be fun i'll well, do it an article that i read about hybrids was called hold your sources <laughs> wow so wow. I might steal that. Yeah, um, that's we'll great. Have to get mustache in there somehow. Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> or just facial hair. Think about like trimming. Yeah. You know, growing. Anyway, I'll make it work. Uh, but until then, you can follow us on Twitter at the Good Eve Girls or Instagram at the Good Evening Girls. We post lots of fun things. Or every day. TikTok at the Good Eve Girls. Yes. <laughs> we don't post fun things every day. We don't. Every no. once in a while, we will post stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you can follow our personals too. We post there more often. Yeah, we do. We're much more fun there. Yeah. What can I say? Um, Thanks for listening. I'm Chelsea. I'm Grace. 
Bye. Bye.